You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 326, brought to you by C2E2 and iFanboy members like you. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 326. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Ron Richards. Hello. Hi. This is just straight up. This is straightforward now. Okay. iFanboy.com is our website about comic books that we made because we like comic books and we read comic books. Every week we read a bunch of comic books. And then one of us picks out the best one and writes about that comic book on the website. And we talk about it on the podcast and other comic books from the week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's the website about? It's about comic books. Oh, I'm, I'm doing uh, I'm doing uh, search engine optimization. Okay, got it. Vocal, yeah. vocal, vocal SEO. It's or, a new or, thing. Oral SEO, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a new thing. Oral SEO. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Ooh, hey. Ooh. <laughs> Listen, there's going to be is we're going to talk about what happens in the books. I can't I can't make it any more plain than that. Spoilers are coming. If you haven't read them, spoiled. That just means ruined. Or, or has turned and has been invaded by bacteria and smells bad. But that's not the usage that we mean in this case. So if you haven't read your books, I mean, you've been, you've, you've, you've been warned. Connor? Yeah. Pick of the week. Brian K. Vaughn's back. Was there really any choice? No, and it wasn't because of the hype. It was because he's one of the best people who writes comics. It's really yes. scary, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> when we started iFanboy, we started the podcast, he, he really sort of burst into the scene... In the, I mean, he's been writing comics since their late nineties. He's been doing it for a long time, but he really burst into the scene with Why the Last Man in the early part of the two thousands. And so that, if you take the history of my fanboy through through to now, for the most part, it was dominated by Brian K. Vaughn. Whether it was a Why the Last Man or Ex Machina or Runaways, Runaways or Part of Baghdad, Logan, Part of Baghdad, Logan, the Escapist. So there was lots of. I mean, we talked a lot about Brian K. Vaughn, and then he suddenly disappeared. Like Kaiser Soze. It wasn't so much suddenly. That black and white photo for Wire got taken, and then he—I think it stole his soul or brought him to another dimension called Hollywood Land. He moved to Hollywood to work on Lost. He started off his, in his career wanting to be a filmmaker, so that made made sense for him personally. He made, plus, there's a lot more money there, so he he went to Hollywood. He still continued to write the books he was writing, but he wasn't launching any new projects at a time when he'd previously been launching. You know, new projects all the time. There was that Doctor Strange miniseries. There was all kinds of things that he, he put out. Never thought we'd see him again. He said he'd come back. We always the joke he wouldn't. Even in the back of our minds, there was always a fear that he wouldn't because, you know, it, it's a lot of time and effort to work in Hollywood, especially when you're in a position he's in, which is he's got a show launching at Showtime. He's got scripts in the works that he, we don't even know about. It's busy. So it's also, it's also a lot of time and effort to make comic books. And when yes. you're going to do the math on it, it's pretty hard to be like, oh, well, I could do this thing where I could not make any money at all. No, he makes money. No, he, I'm sure he does fine, but relative to even, you know, just sort of development TV work. Yeah. Right. So he then, he, you know, the big announcement last year's San Diego Comic-Con, the one that probably won the con was Image announcing they had a new series from Brian K. Vaughn. Not only was it a new series, but it was a new ongoing series, uh, which I think people were surprised by. And it's called Saga. And it's the first issue came out this week, drawn by Fiona Staples, who Josh and I loved on Mystery Society. 
last year's IDW miniseries and using it a bit of a different style in, in Saga than she did in Mystery Society. And uh, what we have here is full-on, full-fledged science fiction. You know, this is not a superhero book, which if you think about it, he doesn't really do superhero books no. or even straight-up superhero books. You know, White Last Man, Ex Machina, certainly not superhero books. The Escapist wasn't a superhero book. Runaways was a non-traditional superhero book. Doctor Strange was a non-traditional superhero book. And, and it's Both. funny because the superhero books that he did that were straight up were some of the least memorable stuff he's done. I mean, you're talking about he did a run on Ultimate X-Men. He did a run on Batman for a while. And, and neither stand out as something people talk about. Yeah, I completely forgot. I was looking through his bibliography when writing my pick of the week to you know to get the dates of books, and I was like, oh yeah, he did do a Batman run. Yep. Like you, you don't really remember that stuff as you do Wide Last Man or Ex Machina, both of which I can see, you know, the full trade runs on my shelf from here. I mean, these, those are the books that stand mm-hmm. out, stand the test of time. But I think what we were all excited about was Brian K. Vaughn getting to play in a world because when he does that, lots of interesting things happen. You know, Ex Machina ran for years, Wide Last Man ran for years, and in that in that way. He gets to build a world, build characters, and then explore it. And here we have, in this first issue even, you already see a world that's rife with possibility. The basic premise is that there's these two races uh, of aliens. I guess we call them aliens since they're not human. But these two races who are locked in mortal eternal combat, really. And one race has little dragon wings. And one race has different kind of horns coming out of their heads, depending on who they are. There's all different kinds. There's a kind of unicorn horns. There's... There's a sort of sweet tooth-esque deer horns. The main character has ram horns. And a soldier from each side have fallen in love and they had a baby in the opening pages of the book. And that's causing problems. And, and now, you know, you, it seems to be that the premise of the book saga is finding love and surviving in, in a time of war when you're on either, either sides of the conflict and no one really wants you to be together or have a baby. And there's probably other elements to that, but that seems to be the basic premise. And there's magic, and there's aliens, and there's robots who fuck, and there's all kinds of things that happen in this book. Are they robots? I don't know if they're robots. They're pe- people with, with TVs for heads. But <laughs> I guess they're robots. Yeah. You're kind of splitting their names hairs. Are all ro- their names are all robots. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's all kinds of wacky things. And that's just wacky, but wacky, interesting, unusual things. And you can just see that there's about five or six different plot lines that he can, that he can take off from just, just first issue and run with. And it was really exciting. In terms of world building, I thought it was wonderful. He drops you in the middle. There's only a little brief section, in the, a three-page section in the middle that lays out the geography and the, 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 the planets. But other than that, the characters you've got to learn about through the context of the story, the, the different uh, dynamics you learn about through the context of the story. He basically drops you in and says, here you go. Now, now you know, catch up. And yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things about what, it. What, what I think is great, and I think is genius of it, is that is that it has the very simple, you know, Romeo and Juliet, you know, like from divided houses, lovers, kind of trying to defeat all the odds, and that's that that gets you on the emotional, tint, you know, kind of core, and that will be the the what I can only assume is the main backbone of the story. But then, you know, you've got the political aspect of it, you know, with, with these two kind of the, the two sides of the war and, and with royalty and with stuff like that. And you get the sense of other kind of machinations going on behind the scenes. So just like you said, it just seems rife of possibilities. And like, this is what I want out of an ongoing. Like it's, if it was just two, you know, two aliens from across, you know, across the street, you know, hooked up and had a baby, like that would be good, but that's limited. But here it's just like, oh man, I could see so many different directions for this to go in. What's interesting to me is that on top of all that sort of larger stuff, what you mostly have are very relatable and commonplace everyday interpersonal relationships. Yeah, and and the uh, crea- and the characters are very relatable. That's what I mean. Like he's taken the the he's taken sort of the uh, the Brian Wood Northlanders 
uh, attractive of putting them in this sort of fantastic situation, but making them talk pretty much like we talk. Yep. And and uh, their issues are related to the kinds of things that w- that we deal with. You know, that all the talk about having a baby that was that was you know pooping on the tables a big worry. Yep. That's a, that's a thing. Uh, you know, and they talked, you know, they got, they have footage from an ATM camera that yeah, they took a, the guy. A, a dude's the robot. Updating, a dude's updating an app on his phone. Yeah. yeah. The, the, ro- the robot TV head guy, uh, he's, he can't maintain an erection. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was just very sort of low level TV family drama stuff against that other stuff, which I, I thought was interesting and, and kind of bold. Cause it's one thing to be like, let me amaze you with my worlds and aliens and stuff like that. And then, Overlay it on what what is basically you know like a version of thirty something. Right. Well, it's kind of the Star Wars model, right? Which mm-hmm. is you take a fantasy world, but you ground it with relatable characters and and I mean, if you look back at Star Wars, there's a lot of fra- tons of phrases and words that are earthbound. That, that mm-hmm. always drove me crazy. And Empire Strikes Back when Luke is out uh, after escaping from the Wampa and Han's gonna go look for him, and the the deck the deck officer's like, you'll, you'll freeze before you hit the second marker, and Han just goes, then I'll see you in hell. I remember being like eight years old going, they have hell in Star Wars? It's a Judean Christian yeah, right. Is Christian that, thing. Yeah. Sure. It's just, it's just a, you know, he could say, I see you in Glopchok, but that wouldn't make yeah. any, that wouldn't have any emotional resonance. Well, and also you know? he's not Klingon, so I mean, right, clearly, so. yeah. <laughs> But so the, Connor still remembers how to speak Klingon. It's a, it's a, it was a very dark time, you know, it's sophomore year of college. So the, <laughs> the, you know, the, the way to make these characters relatable is not to get so caught up in the jargon and creating a language. It's just mm-hmm. make them talk like the people who are reading yeah. the book. And that's, you don't really it's, have to. It's a hell of a lot easier to read than Spaceman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, that's and true. the thing about the, the relatability is I was, I was so into the relationship of the main characters that I, and I wrote this in my review. I forgot about the horns at one point, just because yeah. you're so sort of caught up in they're having this baby, they're scared, they're on their own, they're in the back of this auto shop. And they say auto shop because we don't need to say it. It's a it's some kind of weird you know speeder garage. It's an auto shop, right. you know. And and I was so into that that I at one point I forgot. Oh yeah, this guy's got horns for hair basically. So it's it, I thought the way that he constructed the characters and put them in this fantastical situation was great, and it's really going to I think for me to ground the whole series in you know. Sci-fi is great when it's not too far up its own ass. Yeah, you know I think. Well, and 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 the the, the point I made, I, I got I got the opportunity to read this mo- like months ago, and I wrote an early review of it. And the, the the point I made in that, which I've been saying to people when I talk about it, is that I got the same feeling after reading this as I did after I watched Battlestar Galactica, that first miniseries, or like the first episode of Firefly, where it was like after one taste of it, I was like, wow, this is a whole new world that I just want to get lost in. And it very, I, I very much got that excitement, you know, after finishing yeah. Firefly. Yeah. Very apt. Very yeah. apt. Yeah. Yeah. See, for me, like I thought this was a really good start, and it's a good first issue. I did. It didn't blow me away. There was not a, a thing, a thing about it. I was like, this is the stuff. But at the same time, it felt really familiar in a way. Like I know how you know I've, I've been through this with Vaughn enough times that you you know how he's going to build this up and how to keep it going. And I, I'm really looking more for, forward to the the long journey. Yeah. As opposed to just being like this one, this part was perfect. It, it isn't that. It's just I know the dude can the dude can flat out make comic books. He can make single issue comic books. He can make long drawn out comic books. And you know he's among he's probably the best you know to come out of the last ten years at doing it. And it's really exciting to have him come back because literally, and I wrote this on the site literally since the time that he's been gone, it's we've had this like feeling of decline in comics. Yeah. I mean, it, like the timeline is almost exactly the same. Yeah, is since you know since two thousand nine, it's just this slow downward slope of hey sales are going away, 
and 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 event after event after event that that people aren't happy about, but buy, but in less quantities. So, are you saying Brian K. Vaughn is the key to success of the comic book industry? He's he's Jesus, <laughs> is what um, I'm saying. And I, I, we're we're raving about him, and I don't disagree. But yeah, man, right. did Fiona Staples blow me away? She is the smartest thing that that is involved with this. Yes. I think you know. Besides all the other concepts, one thing is that it's funny because Vaughn's artists sort of get a short shrift a little bit. And they shouldn't because, you know, I don't know if he cho- – the people he chooses to pick with or they come together or whatever, like great decisions on artists from, from Pia Guerra in, in Why the Last Man to, to um, Adrian Alfana in, in uh, Runaways. Like they're usually not big names, but they're perfect. Yep, and, and, and again, and I, th- and I think Tony Harris is almost kind of an exception. He's sort of a name on his own. But still, most people know him from that at this point. Yeah. I guess Starman. But I mean like the, the, She's double, so the, good. the double page spread towards the end – and even even like the the emotional connection yes. between the couple, which you know you get across in the words, but her facial expressions and like by the end of that issue when they kiss at the ver- at the very end, it's like you know me and I'm a dumb romantic. I was like, oh, this is great. This is this is a this is a, a relationship I want to see succeed. Well, throughout the whole thing, body language, facial expressions, and, and the acting of the characters is is as good as what anybody's doing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the uh, the guy who comes to see the TV dude with the, with the iPhone or whatever he has. Yeah, like you can just see his status and his place from his from the droll look on his face and the sort of the way that his body is held, and that's that's really impressive. She does wonderful figure work. I yeah. absolutely love the way that she just draws, you know, people. For lack of a better term, yeah. So you know what's funny is is that Vaughn zigged when you switched to Zag in this issue. In that, what's his hallmark been up until this point? Uh, an amazing first issue that brings you this amazing twist at the end that gets you hooked in. And I kept waiting, waiting, and waiting, and waiting. It never really came, and I kind of respected that because I don't, I don't know if you knew this is going to. Everyone's going to expect me to reveal that there's only one tower, or that the, all right, the men yeah. are dead, or whatever, or the, or the parents are supervillains. And he didn't go that way. He just told a straight-ahead story, which I, yeah. I, I respect. But he st- still utilized the, the the strong imagery, last page, like you know, like that. I, it still had that classic Vaughn end of the first issue, where it just ended with you know, full page them kissing. This is the, the thrust of the story onto the next one. You know what I mean? And he still, you know, he dropped hints at the future yeah. with the with the narration of yeah. the baby, which is great. Which is and, uh, and if you saw the interview I did with him at Image Expo, he talked about the usage of that and how um, you know that kind of came out of you know having kids and reading children's books and that idea of narration as well as a little bit of the Neil Gaiman kind of you know mm-hmm. style of storytelling. I thought it, I thought it played great in this. I love that they were hand lettered in the art that Fiona yeah. Staples did those yeah. letters herself in, yeah. in the art. Really nice. Yeah, it was just great. I mean, five stars, totally straight. And I can't. This is like, please let it never end. And actually, I overheard him, um, um, overheard him doing an, another interview at Image Expo, and he said that he actually doesn't want this to be a TV or a movie. This is a comic book that he meant it to be a comic book, and wants it only to be a comic book. Well, that's because he's been through the ringer with Why the Last Man. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want to deal with that yeah. anymore. All right. So anyway, so moving on. So in addition to Saga, we had a ton of number ones this week. I, it, I, it was it was a really strong week. It was a strong. Was, it was a strong week for, for a ton of comics came out. Yeah. A ton of new comics came out. A ton of new comics with new ideas came out, which is always good. So it was it was it was it was fives and fours all around. Really, it would have been it would have been tough picking the pick of the week, and I'm glad I didn't have to do it. I think you made the right call. Uh, another number one that came out from uh, two of my favorites was Saucer Country number one from Vertigo by Paul Cornell and uh, Ryan Kelly. First, great to see Ryan Kelly on an ongoing book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, totally agreed. Oh, start totally. I, I, just and and we always talk about writing or story or whatever verse, but 
One of the things that I like about Ryan Kelly, and I realized this as I was watching it, is that his uh, his characters and their faces are, are uh, imperfect. And I mean that in the way of – it's like watching a British TV show when not everybody is beautiful. Yes. Where they have character actors who look like people that you know as opposed to – you know, the Hawaii Five O. every single person is the most beautiful person you've ever seen. Like, his people, his characters just look like, I mean, they're, you can tell when they're supposed to be attractive or when they're not, but I, there's just something slightly askew about his cartooning style. It, it almost feels like he's just got this slight edge of, of comics with an X yeah. to his, to his, well, uh. It, it was, it was interesting because I, I, after reading this issue, I went back to the credits to see who inked them. Yeah, because it did look slightly different from the other Ryan Kelly work. I know whether it was in New York Five or New York Four or local or whatever, but he inked himself. I mean, it just he, it's he the did, color. It's the, it's the, yeah, it's, the, it's definitely the color. It's definitely the color, but I don't think it's bad. I think it's just like okay, cool. It's it's it, it's it looks like Ryan Kelly, but it also looks unique as it should for a new title. It should be slightly adjust the, the style and adjust what he's doing, um, but it still has that charm of Ryan Kelly's art. And then again, on the other side of that is we have this really whacked out premise from Paul Cornell. I loved this issue. Yeah, I loved yeah, it too. This was I great. Did too. Yeah, this was almost the pick. This would have been if with the week without Saga. This is the pick. Yeah, uh, for sure. I love the idea that you've got this uh, Latino governor in New Mexico. I assume it's New Mexico. New Mexico, yeah, New Mexico. Yeah. And she, they're prepping her to run for president, but she's got this secret. Maybe her husband abused her ex husband abused her. We're not quite sure. And then it turns out she was abducted by aliens. But I love that the sort of there's a tinge of wackiness to it yep. in that. Her staff is prepping her to run. She's got this giant speech where she's going to announce the candidacy. She goes up. She does. She she does a great speech. They all love it. And she walks to the stage. She goes, "I was abducted by aliens. We're being invaded." Like and so they just sort of like it, there's that little you know wackiness to it. And I didn't know where it was going to go. Yeah, like I didn't know what it was. He didn't spoon feed us everything. We just sort of hung around with these characters and watched this. My favorite part of this book was this the sort of gag where the Harvard guys. Is at the you know the meeting where they're going to get rid of him, and he looks down and he sees the little naked people by his feet, and they're like, "Tell him you're completely sane." He looks up, "I'm completely sane." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this is this was. I mean, th- I was really I wasn't quite sure what to expect with this, but you know, being mm-hmm. a big fan of Paul Cornell, and honestly, like while I, I really really enjoyed him at Marvel, I haven't super super enjoyed the stuff he's done at DC, only because he did a lot of stuff in Superman, which I just didn't read because I'm not a Superman guy, um, and the New Fifty Two stuff, whatever. But this was like this felt it was good. It had a good rhythm. Well, he- yeah, he gets you know. to do his own thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is a wonderful issue, and and what I mean, it's number one. It's a new new series by by folks who are great, and uh, you know, highest recommendation if you if you want to try some new stuff. Saga and this, you know, you, you can't go it's, wrong. It's yeah. very early in the year, but I do feel like this could be in a, a breakout year for the sort of indie creator owned. Non-traditional superhero stuff. Yep, because it really is the stuff with the biggest buzz, at least for us and our show. It's really, you know, I, I can't speak for the entire industry. Well, I but. think I think we're definitely. I mean, it's funny. I was just I was just talking to somebody um, in the industry uh, this earlier this week about this, and I, and I was saying I really think we're at a. We're we're at a turning point or a period ending period beginning kind of spot in the world right now where I think you've got a lot of what's going on with you know Marvel and DC and and the business side of things and superhero comics and mainstream comics but there's a real energy around these unique different you know like using comics but doing things like Saucer Country like Saga like the next book we're going to talk about Secret History DB Cooper number one you know where it doesn't necessarily have to be superheroes and the question is whether or not the market will support it but at least right now I think in ter- like within the industry I think everybody. Everybody's, everybody wants new things. They want new ideas. I think the class of people who were sort of coming into their own, who've been around for a little while, they're veterans. Like they're getting tired of the same old, same old. We're, we've come out of this era 
the sort of mid 2000s was very Marvel DC heavy. You know, let's table this because that's going to relate to a voicemail later on. Let's talk about okay. Secret well, Avengers of D.B. Cooper. Yeah, so Secret History of D.B. Cooper, number one, uh, by Brian Chirilla from Oni Press. It's a new ongoing. So if you've been a fan of uh, Six Gun, it looks like uh, Oni's taking a page from Six Gun and, and uh, Six Gun as well as what's the other one? Um, uh, not Wasteland. Uh, Wasteland, but then they've got another ongoing. But yeah, so they're doing the more and more monthly comic, com- comics. Brian Chirilla, if you're not familiar with him, he's done some stuff for Oni. He's done some stuff for Arkea. He's been around. He's been a cartoonist. I've seen his work. But this takes the American mystery of D.B. Cooper, who is the guy who hijacked the plane and then demanded money, demanded, what, $120,000, and then parachuted out of the plane somewhere over the Pacific Northwest. Takes, never seen again. Never seen again. Takes that myth, which I, which by the way, I watched the episode of Decoded with Brad Meltzer about this topic, and it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Brad Meltzer is a fascinating TV character. Is, I, I, I want to know, Connor. <laughs> but um, so uh, so if you're into you know kind of um, history's mysteries as well as American stuff, which I am, Connor, I know you are, Josh, I think you are as well, right? I don't know. If yes, it's, not as much not as, the same way. Not as much. I like yeah. I like known history because yeah. Otherwise, you know, you never find out. Connor, Connor, and I like the weird stuff. I think right, and I like the unsolved stuff. I like yeah. the, you know the mystery of things. You know, oh, you went happened. through that. You went through that rough unsolved mysteries phase. Well, I it wasn't stopped. rough. It was a I decade. Watched, I watched two hours of it yesterday. I don't think it stopped. <laughs> anyway, so um, Brian, you know what? Can we talk about that for a second because <laughs> they, they they edited out Robert Stack. All right, really it used to be. He's no longer the all that you knew. You can no longer find episodes of Robert Stack. They've replaced him with Dennis Farina. All they did was all they did was no, no, Dennis Farina. All they did was repackage the show with new new introductions with Dennis Farina and the same old, um, you know, the same old packages, you know, the same old stories. But so tell me, is is Dennis Farina wearing an overcoat, walking in the fog, walking around some sort of like office, you know, room, like headquarters for for unsolved mysteries? But they pretend like it's all new stuff, but it's, it's just. The same old stories. You can even see Matthew McConaughey in there in that one reenactment, but uh, it, the rubber stack is gone. Oh, that's upsetting. That's upsetting. Sorry, I, I get it off my chest. That's fair enough. Fair enough. That's why we have the podcast. It's our show. You're allowed to. Anyway, so yeah. Secret History of D.B. Cooper, Brian Trill is taking that American myth and he's letting us in on the fact that D.B. Cooper was actually a uh, FBI agent who was working right. who was working um, in the confines of the Cold War to combat Russia through some psychotropic drug dreamscape portal. And I read this first issue, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Am I the only one who read it, or no? No. Josh didn't like it. Oh, you, did, yeah. you didn't like it? I liked the first page. <laughs> <laughs> the whole it was, it's this, and that's it's my thing. I hate imaginary dreamscape comics. Oh yeah, or stories. <laughs> I just I can't stand it. <laughs> like to me, if the story was that he was a CIA agent and he disappeared, and you're going to watch him fight Russians in the real world, I'm a hundred percent down. Yeah. Otherwise, just so you didn't you didn't like the talking bear? No, oh, not okay. at all. Well, I did. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a little wacky. But then, but the thing was, I thought Charilla's uh, storytelling method was it was. Inter- I'm, I'm not talking about quality. Yeah, yeah. It's just not it's, conceptually. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to read that story. But so in ter- in terms of how he did the storytelling, in terms of uh, like what I thought was interesting is that it it balanced. The um the trade off between not knowing what's going on, weird dreamscapey stuff, and what's really going on and what's really happening in the real world. Well, in that it left you confused enough throughout the issue, but then gave you enough answers to get you intrigued and saw, answer any questions you might have had, which is tricky with this sort of thing. We spent too much time in the dreamscape for me. Too. All right, that's fair. 
It was like the like this from page two through most of it was yeah. all in the bubbly world where there was stuff everywhere. <laughs> well, I'm curious. I'm going to see where it goes because I, I dig I dig the dreamscape. So um, if it, this sounds like the kind of thing you like, I'm pretty sure you, you could easily you you would enjoy it. Yeah, you know, it's but just wacky. I, I like I wacky. I can't sit through Twin Peaks. It's both your favorite thing on earth. Yeah, that's, so it's a very good point. Very good point. Can we fire Josh? We might we have, have to. Power. My wife tried to watch it, and she was like, "This is pretty good." About two or three episodes in, and then I came like a week later. I was like, "Did you finish that?" She's like, "I couldn't do it anymore." <sighs> so we're we're both the same like that. Well, that's good. You found each other. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah. So speaking secret- of curious, I was morbidly curious. So I picked up Avengers Assemble number one. Yeah, so kind of the other end of the spectrum from the new ideas kind of thing. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> so um, Avengers Assemble number one, the new Avengers book, Bagley on art, Bendis writing. This is supposed to be the one that's friendly to people who went to the movie when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more friendly than the regular books, I assume. I haven't read them in a while, but... What's weird is the cover is the you know the team from the movie. It's it's meant to be you know, f- you know if you saw the movie you meant to be able to pick this up. But you open the first page, the title page shows Black Widow, Hawkeye, Mockingbird, Wolverine, yeah. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Miss Marvel, Black Panther, Vision, Spider Man, Red Hulk, and I was like, what? Well, I mean, the, the problem is, and Spider Woman. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. In that they of course realize that they put out a book that's on its own, in its own continuity, no one's going to buy it. Yep. If it's just the Avengers team from the movie, it's not tied in, no one's going to buy it. They even made a point in the solicitation to say it's in continuity yep. because they need everyone, they need people to buy it and no one will because that's the audience. So it, it, it sort of, by trying to have it both ways, just diluted it completely. Yeah. I thought yeah, I thought I so. It was okay. It was okay. I mean, it was that. I mean, that was my main. What I kind of want to do, I kind of want to give this to my brother-in-law and just be like, read this. Yeah. You know, and like, because you know, because I I know these characters. I get that. You know, I get all this stuff like that. But what I thought was funny was that you know, no, yes, it's in continuity, but like Hawkeye sitting at the table with Mockingbird. You know, it's in continuity, but it's not in exactly, continuity. exactly. Really yeah. I mean, and but the thing is, I think they needed to write it a different way. Yeah. And I think Bendis wrote it in a, in a similar way than he normally does in that. Not a lot happens, which is fine if you're a hardcore comic reader. But if you're trying to catch your brother-in-law or my brother or anyone's brother who, or sister or whoever, yeah. it's, it's maybe not be the best way to do it. It also – I felt the 20 pages. Yeah. When it came to that ending, I was just like – I was like, oh, it's over. Like it, I felt it went quick. But, you know, who knows? Um, it wasn't bad. I don't yeah. think it was bad. I think Bagley did a fine job. I think he really is at home in the Marvel universe yeah, for whatever reason. Agreed. It was okay, yeah. and that's really the you know the thing. Which, if you're trying to really nail this for the for the movie people, maybe it needs to be more than okay. But it wasn't horrible. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was very very average. All right, cool. So then, and then also uh, at the same time, uh, Avengers number twenty four came out. Which, on one hand, I was excited because it was Daniel Kuna back, which is good. Which I love me some Kuna, as well as it was the end of this miserable. Uh, Norman Osborn story arc, which is I was looking forward to, except for the fact that so there's a, so basically a big whole showdown. They find out that Norman has become a super adaptoid, and they're trying to figure out how to fight him, how to put him down. And basically, they figure out that if they overload him, basically the super the way the super adaptoid works is that if he touches anybody with powers, he he then gets their powers and can use them. So like he touches the Red Hulk and he becomes Hulkified. He touched the Vision and he became trend. You know he can. Uh, just as mass and, and fly. And it became emotionally distant. And- yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, so they're like, all right, so they, all the Avengers touch him and give him even more power and that's not enough and then the new Avengers show up and everybody touches him 
and kind of overload him, and you show his, you show him like getting overloaded, and then you turn the page, you get two pages of ads, and then it's time has passed. <laughs> the fucking climax happened off panel, off page. We don't even see it. Oh god! And like, and actually, like in the on that page in fucking narration box. You know, it says Osborne's you know been taken down, and you know, and he's he's in a coma. And no, oh no, it's it's Captain America talking to the Shield to the to the turncoat that they arrest the woman, and he's explaining to her, it's like Norman's in custody. Shield doctor says he's in a deep coma. His brain is fried, but we have him. Like, don't fucking show it. It's not like they've been building it up for five years. Exactly, to, exactly, yeah, exactly. And then you get an argument between uh, Cap and Obama. Basically, uh, Obama telling Cap, Cap that he needs to go out onto the Sunday morning talk shows and interview other people and be the face of the Avengers, and you know. Oh, not this again! Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're Did they tell make a MySpace profile too? They're yeah. hedging their political bets. Is yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. We'll make him argue with Obama, but we'll really be against him. Yeah, I don't even mean that. Just, just the idea that he's got to go out there and be media savvy is totally against what. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Civil War. They really are trying to recreate Civil War. Yeah, and and there's, there's actually the point where where you know he's he's telling um he's telling them to go you know go on the talk shows make people feel better about the Avengers and Cap is is uh, objecting and saying I'm not running for office I'm not trying to win a popularity contest I'm trying to protect the world you know and then you know Obama says go play nice with the nice people and Cap tries to interrupt him and he goes if you're talking about uh, if you're about to resign I don't accept it's like oh god it's like we've done this all before go home give me a new writer please. Is, is, yeah. is Walt Simonson on next? Yeah, yeah, it's the Walt. Right. Yeah, so I'll come back for that. We'll see how that goes. But if you, I don't know, if you like comic books, you might want to go to C two E two. If you're in the Chicago, that was a horrible segue. Shh, just ignore <laughs> it. Just ignore it. If, if you enjoy the comic books and you live in the Chicagoland area on April 13th to the 15th, you're definitely going to want to get to McCormick Place and go to C2E2, the biggest pop culture event of the year in, uh, in the, at least in the Chicago area. Tons of great talent are going to be there. Mark Silvestri, Amanda Connor, Tony Moore, Joe Kubert, Sean Murphy, Joe Casada, Jason Aaron. A whole bunch of awesome people are going to be there. Uh, on the media side of things, they've got Xander from Buffy, John Barrowman. I don't know who the, he's somebody. Um, uh, Torchwood. He's yeah, uh, Torchwood. That's what it is. Captain and Anthony Daniels, who you know better, might know better as C three PO, will be there. Thanks, the Maker. Yes, exactly. So it's going to be a lot of fun for pop culture enthusiasts. It's one of our favorite shows of the year. Tickets are just fifty dollars for the weekend if you go buy them now. So go to c two e two dot com and get the uh, advanced tickets while you can before the prices go up. Um, they've got VIP packages, which give you early access to the con floor and things like that. They've also got um, some great shuttles that are going to be running uh, from the con to the city because McC- if you know the, the layout of Chicago, McCormick <laughs> isn't. Is isn't quite accessible. So uh, uh, the, if you're traveling to Chicago, those shuttles will definitely help. They've also got C2E2 Mobile where you can get download their apps um, and get you know the con floor map and programming schedule and stuff like that. It makes it really easy to navigate the con. So go to C2E2.com, get your tickets, uh, and have fun in Chicago come this April 13th through the 15th. Let us talk about the conclusion of the first arc of Demon Knights. It was good. It was. It was a great big old fight at the end and you know by the end i knew mo- i knew who most of the characters are and and they didn't get a lot of time you didn't get a lot of time to spend with each of them but they you know a good number of them had moments you know so so something to stick them with there was a reason they were there the whole time from from vandal savages turncoat turncoat to uh etrigan's you know what jason blood had to do in hell you know to madame xanadu coming back there was uh it was a fun conclusion to this big fight yeah. And it was it was bloody. The Amazon is just chopping the shit out of everything. It's I don't brutal. Yeah, I don't know her name. But Wonder Woman. Yeah, that'll work. 
Medieval Wonder Woman is what I call it. I, you know, and and I and I I really I really liked uh, Diogenes Nevis's stuff the whole way through. <laughs> I butchered that to hell. We, we, uh, look, if we, if we don't let it stand for Ron. We can't let it stand for you. Thank you, Diogenes Nevis. What? What? Sure. Sure. Nevs. Anyway. Neves. I enjoyed it. This scratch, scratched the lack of Game of Thrones in my life. It's itch. very, it's very different than that. No, I know, but yeah, not even. Close. I think it's one. It's one of my sort of sleeper favorite books of the relaunch. Yeah, I like it a lot, and it, it's just it's strong in sort of all the ways that that uh, that I would want with a book like this. So, you know, it's it's related to the DC universe because there has to be for somebody to be able to okay it, I guess. Yep. But that's not a, a weight on it at all. If you remember last month, uh, Conan the Barbarian number one came out, and I was like, it's pretty good. I thought that the, this issue by uh, Brian Wood and Becky Cloonan was a, a big improvement on the last issue. It was, it was a ton of fun, and and one of the things that was cool about it was that it was really tactical. Like it was, you, you got to see sort of how this little sea battle between these two ships went, and 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 there was all this really sort of classic uh, Robert E. Howard kind of narration. Like he he described uh, about shooting a bow, you know, on one of the pages, and it was just like there are three things you need to know about shooting the bow, and uh, you know from that sort of. I guess medieval or, or you know standpoint. Really, really liked it, and I thought that the art was again really strong. Uh, it's a it's a fun book, uh, and, it's, and, it, and it's funny because in opposition to Northlanders, which we kind of talked about, and of, of which the second to last issue came out uh, this week, which is also really good. He used proper language, sort of in this, as opposed to using modern language. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I still haven't read it yet, but uh, I'm, I'm meaning to. It's on my it's on my go back and check out stack. Cool. Glory twenty four. I liked a lot better than Glory Twenty Three. Right? I mean, all that, Didn't all it... that messy explaining out of the way, and then instead we get these big, hulked-up, you know, steroid-looking ladies that are kind of scary and not really pretty but interesting. I also thought I thought it was a lot more focused in that it gave it just gave a straight story. It introduced the villain. It gave me an idea of where the direction of the book's going to go. Um, I thought this is like way, way better than the than the twenty than issue twenty three. Not that I thought twenty three was bad, but also even Ross Campbell's art I thought was a little crisper. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It, you just see them kind of coming together. Yeah, it was it was much more interesting. It was much more unique than the last issue. I'm glad that I read it and didn't stop. Yeah. Fantastic Four six oh four ended sort of ended the storyline that Hickman's been telling for the last two years. And my favorite thing about it actually wasn't the story, the way it ended, which was fine and fun and exciting, but the way he played with the format of the book in that it it's, it ended with them talking about how they have hope for the future. If there's if there's hope then there's tomorrow. If there's tomorrow then there's forever and then boom, a title page. And I thought yep. The way that he used the title page was great. It was sort of the way they used to do it on Lost. When the episode ended, they would pop the logo on the screen, and it was sort of the dramatic, you know, penultimate moment of this of the show. And that was, I thought, a great little way of doing it with the with the logo. Yeah, it was good. It was a quality ending, and I liked the use of Galactus. That was good to me. My yeah. Galactus. That was a great moment. So. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season nine, number seven. So we we last issue we found out Buffy was pregnant and she was going to have an abortion, and this issue we find out it's a Buffy bot. <laughs> but but it's fun, and that's the thing is that it's it's a lot a lot of fun. And I got the Phil Noto cover, which has got Buffy and and uh, uh, Spike on the couch doing a crossword puzzle. It's like, oh man, I'd love Phil Noto to draw this. But anyway, it's Phil it's, Noto's experiencing a renaissance. Yeah, he really really is really is. And Journey into Mystery number six thirty five. The the terrorism myth I'm actually really enjoying. If you told me that it was going to be uh, Loki fighting Nightmare, uh, which is the bad Sandman knockoff of the Marvel universe, I would groan and roll my eyes. But this has actually been really really good and really focused and good you know good speed good momentum of the story. It's just so many words. 
so many caption boxes. I mean, like, there's basically they're going from person to person. People are having nightmares, and and uh, the basically the battleground is the nightmare dreamscape. And they're just these caption boxes of telling the story of each one of the person, people, and what their what their world is and what their nightmare is. And it was a good device, and it was really good, but just took forever to read. But it's it's fun. So Journey into Mystery continues to be good. Boss, those are all the books that we wanted to talk about. We want to make sure that we include the community's opinions and thoughts as well. So uh, we thought we'd run over the top five picks of the week as we normally do. Uh, number five, top pick of the week, was Suicide Squad number seven uh, with 0.4%. It's not a lot, but I haven't heard a word about this book since the first issue, so I guess that's something. Number four is Wolverine and the X-Men number seven with a 0.7%. Uh, next is... Number three, Batman and Robin, number seven, at 3.4%. Uh, we don't talk about any of these books anymore. <laughs> number two, Fantastic Four, number 604, uh, with 11%, because it has a good title card. And number one, Saga, number one, at 82.6%. That's uh, that's a route. Mighty. I mean, before but before the days of Batman number five, this would have been an amazing. But it, it, yeah. yeah, probably the second highest percentage. I think. For yeah, an image book, we should go back and look and see. But, we and should I, we should know this is the first time in a book that's not from Marvel or DC has topped the fanboy pull list and not just topped it, but obliterated everything. That's else. That's a very good point. I didn't think about that. That's fascinating. Yeah. We have a we have a, our our community has an appreciation of creators. Yeah, they do. And sometimes, I, I, I like sometimes. that. Sometimes. Well, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. So, <laughs> so onto the user reviews. After you read your books, you can go and you can write your reviews, and we want to highlight a couple of good ones. And first review comes from fifty one fifty, who's clearly a Van Halen fan, and he reviewed Suicide Squad number seven, uh, the aforementioned Suicide Squad, the number five top pick of the week, um, and gave the story a five out of five and the art a four out of five, and point four percent of you made it your pick of the week. Um, I forgot this was being published, but fifty one fifty didn't, and says the continued darkening of the new fifty two DCU still baffles me. Whereas a book like Deathstroke is beyond unsatisfying, Suicide Squad has me riding a roller coaster. One minute I love it, and the next I'm not sure. And this issue is a prime example of why. Adam Glass has crafted a very dark journey into the mind of Harley Quinn, and this issue is far from pretty. We get the new origin of Harley, and as and it. And as disturbing as it was, it fits in perfectly with the tone of the title. I feel like Edmund Gwynn at the end of The Wild Bunch when he said, these ain't the good old days, but they'll do for now, or something to that effect. I'll keep coming back for more, but we'll still yearn for a little more. So for a, for a five story and a four art, that's a that's the your numbers don't really match your waffling of the review there, 51. Well, it was a long review. This, yeah. this, this, is, this was a fucked up issue. Um, so I'm you're still, reading this? Yeah, I'm still reading. It. I'm still enjoying it. It's, it's a very much the the dirty dozen in the uh, DCU. It's you know the bad guys as heroes. The reason why it's fucked up is it, you have to spoil it. And spoiler is it's a, it's the origin of Harley Quinn, which is a appropriate more dark dark and disturbing in this than before. And uh, in the end, she takes the Joker's face, which we know was cut off in Detective Comics number one, and puts it on Dead Deadshot's face while she has him captive and makes. Oh, um, Jesus. Kisses him, and then she shoots. Then he shoots her in the gut, and presumably kills her. So uh, it was, uh, it was good. This is no, this is a good series. It's just it's not a great series, so we don't talk about it a lot. Right. There's not a lot, you know. It's one of those books that we don't talk about every book. Fair nice enough. One. Metamorphic read the Ray number four and gave the story a three out of five, and gave the art a three out of five. And the pick of the week percentage was 0.8%. No, 0.0. Oh, 0. 0.0. That's right. we talked about that earlier. earlier yeah. That was like 30, 40 minutes ago. <laughs> Uh, I can't be week. expected to remember. <laughs> I can't, literally. In a week bustling with high-profile titles, it would be pretty easy for the Ray to fly under the radar. And for many, it probably has, but I do dig me some Palmiotti and Gray writing and Igle art. There are a few names that virtually guarantee a good read, but those ones are among them. 
Uh, and that is why the Ray has been a good read. The final issue picks up exactly where it began, leading to a moment where the Ray really steps up and earns his hero title. Or does he? The dialogue pops, the art is sweet, and the ending hints at possibilities for the character beyond the series. Possibilities I would love to see in print. The Ray may not be my pick of the week, but as far as an introduction to a new hero in this new 52, it was an enjoyable ride, a definite bright spot in the stock. This is interesting because he gave it a three <laughs> and was like, this is wonderful. And the guy before, fours and fives, he was like, you know, take it or leave it. <laughs> so it's subjective. As I'm well. really curious what DC like. So this is the this is a four issue miniseries, right? Like, will they right, will yeah. there be more? Is it, are they waiting to see how the sales were? Like, I'm sure the there will be. No, I'm sure there'll be no more. I mean, I think yeah. that the the thing with these minis is well because this, it didn't light up the sales charts. Yeah. You know, I think they're a great creative team, but they won't light up the sales charts. So I think I think it's good that they can experiment and put out these minis for all the characters that won't be in their own books, that won't sustain their own books, that you know, give guys some. Chance to work because I think Palmyad and Gray do books that aren't, you know, normal. Yeah. They don't do straight up superhero books, so they did a good job. Did you you know, I mean, this this was a good miniseries. The only the only weird thing about it was at the end when the Ray saves the day. Uh, he's you know he's he's going to be arrested by the cops, but then this uh, shadowy, suave black guy shows up and recru- recruits him into the government, which was very much like the end of Iron Man. Oh uh, yeah, but <laughs> but that's kind of fun. But other than that, I mean, it was it was a good, solid. The character was interesting. He was he was Korean, which you know is unusual these days in comics. And and it was a, it was a fun. Eagle's art was great. It was it was just a quick, you know, four issue fun superhero story. Cool. So go to ifanboy.com slash comics and do your pull list and come back and rate your books, review them, and make your pick of the week. And and trust us, people. Lots of members of the comics industry look at those ratings and those rankings, and we get notified. They're, they're pulling for their books, so you guys are affecting the industry with your polls, with your ratings and stuff like that, so keep on doing it. It's pretty cool to see happen. Okay, on to the email. First one comes from Brad from Canada, who says, Have any of you ever made a pick of the week that one or or both of the other guys absolutely hated? Just curious. Glamour puss. <laughs> did I make a pick of the week? Yes, yes. you did. <laughs> I think it's though, you know what's funny? Like, I, I, I didn't hate it, I just don't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of stuff that I hate that all like the, the the stuff that that some the people you all feel really like strongly about usually all three of us are like we hate that yeah well uh, you know what the, th- or the thing is it's it's something it's hard to hate something you haven't read yeah, well, yeah and I mean, we tend to not read stuff we know we're not going to be interested in it's, we're savvy we're savvy consumers is what you're saying and well, so the, it's the, rare that we'll read it and hate it and then disagree yeah i'm i'm going back and scrolling through the pick of the weeks and and i can't say there's anything that was picked as a pick of the week that i hated there definitely have been picks that that have been made where I'm like, where I've been angry because I wouldn't have picked it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm, listen, I know you wanted to be on Kenny X Force every week, but it can't be. No, exactly, and, th- and th- I think that's what makes what we do so good. I mean, that, that's why I like what we do is because it, it. You know, I mean, like we we rotate and everybody gets their pick and everybody gets their choice. But there's never been. I've never. There have been times where I've disagreed where I'm like, oh, that wasn't my pick. But there are times where you guys disagreed with me. But there's. I, I can't th- remember a book that I hated. Hate What's is a funny, strong word. People put a lot of uh, emphasis on the pick of the week as as part of the show, and it's just – it's one-sixth of the show that we do here. Yeah, yeah. And we spend a lot of time talking about other books, and, and people are like, oh, that was the – and that, that doesn't mean that we didn't like other books in the week. But just now, we, you know, we're talking about the D.B. Cooper book. And you know, you raved about it, and I was like, I, I don't like it. Like so, th- and that happens a lot. Yeah, you know, th- and that that happens very frequently, and we have different opinions, which works because otherwise it would be a very one sided, boring show. Yeah, I'm going back. Uh, I'm trying to find a book that I hate. That, uh, but I can't. I can't say I hate any of these books. 
No, because yeah. we don't pick crappy books. Right. Yeah, that's not, the whole point. None yeah. of us have ever picked a book that the other one was like, that book was bad. Yeah. As opposed to, I didn't like that book or, or I just didn't read it. Yeah. You know? What was but the if book anybody that, was going to? It was it would be Ron. What was that yeah. book that you picked that you you didn't pick that you were supposed to? Oh, Green Lantern. I yeah. picked Scalp thirty <laughs> something. Yeah, but even it was Scalp was, instead of Blackest Night. But even Scalp, I mean, Scalp was great. It wasn't like we hated the Scalp yeah. was the pick. We our Ron didn't hate it. Didn't read it. I yeah. read and loved it. But we just thought that it was a disaster. Yeah, there's a, there's, <laughs> there's a fine line between hating a pick and just being tired of hearing about it or or like. <laughs> 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 Here it comes. Now it all comes out. Wow. <laughs> Which honestly happens. But that said, I'm the guy who picked X-Men Forever, number four, as a pick of the week. So <laughs> I can't really, you know, argue. <laughs> None of us can throw stones as well. Ba- so I'm back currently in 2008 in the pick of the weeks on the site, and I've yet to find one that I would say that I hated. I mean, I mean, like, Glamourpus is the best example I have of a book that, that I know. I, I, I think I did read it. I'm pretty sure I bought it, and I, and I was like, I don't know why anyone would want to see it. I don't even think I picked it. You did. did you totally did. Oh yeah. All right. I'm, I'm in 2008. It's in there. It's in there. All right. Yeah. They don't come out often. You know what's crazy? If you're ever bored, go back and scroll through the Pick of the Week archive. It is crazy. What's it like <laughs> to be bored? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, if you look at if you look at the stuff that's going on, the stuff that's going on back in 07, it's a different world. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Glamorous number one, April 30, 2008. There we go. Oh, and then May 7th, you picked Pretty Baby Machine. <laughs> issue number two never happened never happened neither did the movie did it no but they made the other movie with johnny depp and it was horrible yeah it oh, was yeah, the best it was, bad, it was yeah. the best movie ever that was the most boring thing ever like yeah. it should have been the best movie yeah. ever anyway anthony k says a few episodes ago i think ron alluded to not liking the walking dead show as much as the comic did i I was just wondering what you three each thought of the show it was probably one of those ron josh mix-ups we used to yeah. get all the time that wasn't me no i like the show it, no it's me it was me okay yeah listen get off my stage I can't. I I don't. I don't think I sound like you. But but we used to get that a lot. We haven't in a while. You guys both really like it. I think it's okay. I'm bored with it, to be honest. Well, I got I got really bored. I got I got really frustrated in the first half of the second season with the with the search for the girl. But I thought mm-hmm. the payoff was worth it. Yeah. And I've really liked the second part of this season. I thought it's been it's noticeably picked up, and I just enjoy watching it. I'm, I'm very aloof when it comes to it. I'm just like, yeah, I enjoy it. I think for me, I find a lot of the complaints about the show mirror the complaints about the book, which I find kind of bizarre in that it's slow. There's a lot of repetition. People talk a lot, which is what happens in the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know what the, you know what the thing is for me is that the constraints of the production become apparent compared to the book or the book they can move around and do different things like the realities of production, sort of the low budgets are like, hey, we're just going to be on this farm the whole time. Yep. Well, they were they were in the prison for how long? I mean, that's yeah. what they do in the book too. I mean, no, they, and I, I, those all those all the same things that happened in the book. Well, the I feel I guess I felt like stuff was happening here. I just I feel like Shannon and Rick have had the same argument yes. every yes. single week, and I'm tired of it. And how come the fucking zombies aren't on the farm? Do they have some invisible fence I don't know about? Did you watch the latest episode? No, I'm behind a week. Oh, why don't you watch the latest episode and then we'll talk? Okay. Well, I mean, I figured it had to happen, but it was still a really long time, and and it's just like, hey, like little things bother me that are the realities of production, and I totally get that. But you don't have to deal with the comic book, like, like they just seem to have uh, limitless amounts of of resources and fuel and stuff, and it's just, I don't know, it just feels like it's going in circles a little bit. And and I mean, uh, part of that has to be like I've read the book for a really long time, so I've seen 
all sorts of stuff happen. So like the non-movement sort of bothers me. And I don't really mean physical movement. I mean yeah. – To me, one of my favorite things about the show is that it's not like the book yep. and that it's not – I'm not sitting there watching a transcription of what happens. I don't – no, I don't want that either. Oh, and I love, yeah. I love how shit happens that I don't expect or that yeah. – or, or, or the, the, the curves or the, the moves away from the book that have been surprising and have, have had a weight. I thought it, that's it's the, been good. Uh, that's a good part. They, yeah. they should not do the book again and I, I'm never one of those people who's, who's you know like, oh, it's not the text. It's not as good. Yeah. Or one of the weirdos who thinks it should be black and white. <laughs> Jesus. So if you have any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. All right. On to the voicemail. Our first voicemail comes from my hometown. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Driving down from Binghamton, New York right now, back to Long Island. I know. It's going to seem a lot like the Ithaca, the fucking Long Island community you run. But I was thinking about the old iFanboy episodes because I used to listen to these when I was going to college. Now, you guys seemed a lot more excited about comics then. Now, is this a nostalgia thing? Do I just like it better because it was uh, longer ago and I've idealized it? Did you guys generally like comics more then? Or were comics better? Because I find myself less excited about comics uh, than I was three years ago. So, what do you guys think? Is, there, is the market oversaturated a little more than it was? Uh, have the older creators kind of lost the steps, like Bendis and Johns? I don't know, fellas. Love to hear what you think about it. Take care. Ah, so you were probably driving down uh, old 81, right? Route 81. <laughs> hey, what's up to all the people on Route 81? <laughs> what you do is you go you go down Binghamton down into Pennsylvania, and then you cut across, um, oh, is it 280 or whatever? And you cut down and you pick up 80 and take that through Jersey right back into New York. That's how you get I never did. I never did that. I did 17. Down yeah, you know why you don't take yeah. 17? Because 17 is one big radar trap. Yeah, I never got pulled. Or you just drive the speed limit like a responsible adult. That's just <laughs> silly. Yeah. But plus, 17, also, there was, was more was more fun. It was there was yeah. more going on. You could stop, but there was a lot of places to stop. And Country no, stores. there was a bitch yeah. and truck stop in Scranton. Uh, I never went to Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pennsylvania. You and your rent boys. There's zombies there. It, and also, I timed it once, and my way was faster. So yeah. Anyway, that's because so. you drove 100 miles an hour. If you drove <laughs> like a normal human being, and we don't all have a fucking protective shield that stops anything bad happening to us. <laughs> anyway, so were we more excited about comics three years ago, or were comics better three years ago? I th- I, we're all gonna have different answers. I think. Well, I, mean, I think it's gonna be a nuanced answer. It's not. It's not a. Yeah. yeah no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think to a certain degree, I think we're really tired. <laughs> Wow. I, think, I think the past six years have been really long, and we've, we've holy shit, Josh. Did we just hear him say that? <laughs> I've blanked out. No. Well, let's, let's be honest. I mean, like we've read a lot of comics. We've been to a lot of conventions. We talked to a lot of creators. Talked to a lot of publishers. Just a lot has gone on. Well, I, I know I'm tired. Well, you know, and it. it t- I mean, I've had a kid. We've all moved yeah. all over the place. You know, priorities and interests shift. Yep. Now, I don't think that you could say to any one of the three of us, do you like comics less than you used to? Because we'd yeah. all say we like them more than we used to. Yes, agreed. I, I absolutely believe that. However, the cliches of the mainstream comic book world cycle themselves for a while, and we are at the end of a very tired cycle. Yes. When we were looking earlier in this last decade, you know – Every, we were very up on Marvel and DC and all the stuff that they were doing because they had new guys coming in and new ideas. And you mentioned, in, you know, like, have the older guys lost a step? No, they haven't lost a step. It's that they're doing the same step. Yeah. This is the the ninth album from that band. It sounds exactly like the third album. Yeah, you're talking about three years ago. Think about the stuff Jeff Johns was writing versus <laughs> now. No, I enjoy Aquaman now, but it's no, it's, it's Aquaman and Justice League are no 
just uh, JSA and Green, Green Lantern. Lantern three years ago, yeah, exactly. as opposed to Green Lantern now. Yeah. It's just it's just not the same. But, you know, we all loved Bendis three years ago. Now I don't. I don't. I'm the only book I'm reading from his is Ultimate Spider Man. Yeah. So I'm, not even I'm powers. Yeah, I do. I didn't buy powers this week. So I think you're just as Josh said, books. You know, it's a it's a cycle. I think we're at a down creative cycle across the board. And that, uh, I th- no, I don't think across the board. I think we're in a down creative I'm cycle. I'm talking about mainstream. No, mainstream. yeah, I was going to say, I think we're in a down creative cycle across the board from the people who we've expected to be good yeah. over the past couple of years. And that's just the nature of the beast. That's like, they're probably tired too. Like, there's, there's a reason, there's a reason why Bendis is, is finally transitioning off Avengers because he's been, he's been writing it for well, nine years. The market also demands that they do the thing that they've been doing. Yeah. And I know that sounds like an incredibly boring statement. Now, if, if you want to go on the other side of things, I, th- I would say that if you asked us a year, two years ago how the other side of things are, the non-mainstream side of comics, we would have been like, it's boring. There's nothing going on. Yep. We've had that conversation. Yep. Now, but right now, you're seeing a whole bunch of new things. I think that, oddly enough, with less and less and less comic selling, we are we are getting to the point of oversaturation. There's too many comics, like, yep. and you can't keep track of all of them. It has nothing to do with quality. But you can't love everything that comes out every week and have it be your new favorite thing. It's just too hard. There's too much stuff. I don't have that much love to go around. So like you get a thing and, and I hedge my bets about being excited about something because I want to see it through. You know, but every time a new number one issue comes out, I don't this is the greatest thing ever. Like but at the same time, great things are coming out. I was I was more excited to read and then write about uh Archaea's Tale of Sand than I have been for a book in a long, long time. And and there was like somebody made a comment on the site like Josh doesn't seem to like comics anymore. It's not true. I probably just don't like the one you like, but, or others. But like there's the art of comics, the craft of comics. The yeah. I am more excited about that now than I've ever been in my life. Yep. Yeah. And honestly, right now, like I I I am very clear and talking about it and covering. I'm, I love what's going on in Image right now. I love the I love the creator own uh, kind of. Uh, surge that's happening this year. I love the idea of new ideas, and not just at Image, at other you know stuff that's going on at Dark Horse or stuff that's going on at, at other publishers. That you know, RK, like you mentioned, Josh Arcade is doing great work. It's mm-hmm. I just want to yeah. see good. I want to see good work that challenges me, and that as a reader, and it's not the same thing that I've seen over and over again. That's why when we talk about artists, I look for artists that that are tapping into something that that I've never seen before or doing something differently. And it's just it's you know it, that's what I want, and I lo- a, I love it. It's a wonderful time for comic book art. Yeah. It's amazing. There's, there's also a creative cycle for creators. I mean, three years ago, you know, I, I get really excited for a Jeff Johns or Grant Morrison book, and now it's Scott Snyder and and it's you know Hickman. It's different. It's just different guys and the guys who are coming out. You know, we don't get excited for a Jeff Johns book or Bendis book, but we, now we get excited for Scott Snyder. Now we get excited for Jeff for Lemire, Hickman, or, Jeff yeah. Lemire. I mean, it's just it's just different people taking the place of the guys that used to be the big names and that's yep. that's just that's just normal that's what that's how it goes my favorite series is ending too <clears throat> so yeah that's sad so it's rough i mean but but and that's the, and that's the thing though is that if you look at it to other media like i get tired of bands i get tired we get tired of tv shows we you're yeah. connor you're stopped watching Grey's anatomy much to my dismay dismay you I, know? C- I cut it off this yeah, week yeah exactly you know so like so it's no diff i don't think it's any different than any other types of media, you know, and that's the thing. And, and, and don't, I mean, I hope we don't sound like we're not excited because to Josh's point, I'm very excited, you know. There's always ebbs and flows in anything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So if you have any other questions, you can call us at one eight eight fanboys It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And to show you how much we get excited about comic books, every week we do another podcast called I Fanboy Don't Miss where we talk to a creator about a comic book coming out this week. And Josh, you talked with a writer, David Hine, about the darkness number 101. 
Yeah, it's their new creative team with uh, David Hine and Jeremy Hahn are taking over uh, from Phil Hester and, and a whole bunch of artists with, with issue 101. And it's a total jumping on point. If you've ever liked The Darkness and want to get back on or you've thought about it, uh, I've read it. It's a, it's a fun issue. It's, it's got family drama and demons. So uh, it's great. We're going to talk to David Hine. You'll be able to listen to that on, on Monday. Yes, and you get that in iTunes. Subscribe to it in iTunes or listen to it on iFanboy.com. Yeah, you can also listen to the Make Comics podcast that I do with Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience and, and uh, former big-time editor over at, at Marvel Comics and IDW Comics. Worked on all sorts of really great stuff. Um, and, and you know him and I will pick a topic every week and, and discuss how it relates to those who want to break into and make comics on their own and, and you know how, how maybe to be thinking about that a little bit here and there. This last week we talked about story. Because that's really the most important thing. What's your story? Just have a big beginning, middle, and end. It's a, it's a thing you should be thinking about in a world where you just hear a lot of pitches. Pitches. Jaws in space. That's not a story. It's <laughs> uh, kind of an awesome story, actually. If you think well, so. Yeah. Speaking of stories, Connor, you saw a, a story. I want to mention John Carter one more time. We did the John Carter podcast last week. So we now is he? Does he come back from Africa and is back in Chicago, or what's the premise of the movie? Um, well, he's done his Doctor Without Borders time. Okay, yeah. He's, his, his kidneys are fine. Okay, good. Oh, and, good. and now he takes his – he's a disillusioned with the medical field. He takes his fortune. He goes to the Bahamas and he opens up a sunglass hut slash bar. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did I, I didn't him, see that coming. Did him yeah. and Peter go on a fishing trip together? Peter comes down after oh. getting out of prison. Um, they work <laughs> on boats and uh, they, they embrace on the beach. Now – I wanted to mention the John Carter show again because I think I think word of mouth is getting around that it's not actually a really bad movie. More people are going to see it. So if you did go see it after that first weekend, go check out our show. I did talk to Paul and Ali Coluccio about about the movie. We had a really great time. Movies, tons of fun. Uh, so if you're looking for something to go do this weekend uh, or this past weekend or next weekend, whenever you listen to the show, uh, go check it out. It's really one of those big screen, big you know type of movies you want to see out in the theater. Cool. So check out ifanboy.com for all of those podcasts we just talked about. You can comment on this show and on all the other uh, news and discussion pieces we put up and the fun things. The fun. Do you want to know where to start with Nightwing? That's what you can find out this week. Although I don't know if it really matters continuity-wise, but that's neither here nor there. You can uh, also find out where to hook up with us on the internet and other places on social media at ifanboy.com slash about. You can follow us at twitter.com. Slash iFanboy and stay on Facebook.com slash iFanboy to like us. Yeah, so that stuff's all there. You can email us at contact at iFanboy.com or call our voice by line at 888-FANBOY-326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns. Make sure you tell us not only where you're driving to and from, but also your name would be helpful. And yes. Keep it around 30 seconds. You know, you know that, that's, that's better for us show-wise. And if you like what we're doing, uh, go to iTunes, write a review of this podcast, as well as iFanboy Don't Miss, as well as iFan- the iFanboy Video Show, which has had some coverage from Image Expo the past couple of weeks. We talked to Brian K. Vaughn, and you can see that uh, this past Wednesday, and upcoming this uh, Wednesday is going to be the last two interviews from Image Expo with the crazy folks. <laughs> you'll, you'll, that? You'll, Talk to crazy folks? Yes. So <laughs> he was in the San Francisco Oakland area. So oh, that's, that's not hard. Went out into the street. So anyway, so um, yeah. So if you like all that stuff, write reviews in iTunes as well as tell your friends, tell other websites, tell guys in comic store, help get the word on iFanboy. We really appreciate it. Everybody who helps us do that. Very good times. Can I can I take a moment? Can I plug my book? I guess so. Thank you. If you're interested in the stuff that uh, you've ever seen me write on Twitter or on iFanboy or anything like that, I have a I have a short fiction novel that I wrote available at Amazon called Astrovan. There are plenty of uh, pleasing reviews about it, and I think it's an enjoyable, fun time. So you check that out if you have a Kindle or a Nook, and uh, you can go give it a read. And I'd appreciate it, and I think you'll have a fun time. Three bucks. 
Cool. Three bucks. Yeah, it's actually I did read it and I really did enjoy it. So that's the, you, and you can put that in the blurb. I, actually, I did. I really did enjoy I, it. Comma. So dot yeah. dot dot. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That said, in relation to the author. <laughs> until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks very much, guys.